Welcome to the Reconcile Community Church podcast. We hope and pray that the resources that will be shared on here would be a blessing to you. If you want more information or to support our church financially as we do the work in the beautiful Queen City of Cincinnati, Ohio, you can find more information about that at www.reconcilecincy.org. Be blessed. Meet me in Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, uh, verses 13 through 17 are the verses that we'll be looking at today, but you could also find it in Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. It's the same story told by two different um, uh, apostles. You have Mark, well, not two different apostles, but you have Mark writing uh, from the vantage point of getting you know information from Peter, and then you have Matthew in Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13, who's sharing about uh, the selection of Levi or Matthew as one of the disciples. And then this subsequent dinner that takes place. Uh, it's a very familiar passage of scripture that I want to invite us back into because I do believe that not only is it the bedrock for where we found radical hospitality in the text, but I think that it would encourage you and I on today. Matthew, I mean, Mark chapter uh, two, verses 13 through 17 says this. It says, Jesus went out and again beside the sea, <clears throat> uh, beside the sea. The crowd, uh, the whole crowd was coming to him and he was teaching them. Then passing by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him while he was reclining at the table in Levi's house. Don't miss that. Many tax collectors, not some, but many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who were following him. When the scribes who were Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard this, he told them, it is not those who are well who need, who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. This is Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Again, if you were looking at either Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 17, or Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13, it will give you the same story. It shares with us this important point of Matthew being selected as a disciple. Let's go before the Lord and let's pray together, and then we'll jump into this text. Gracious God, we are thankful for this opportunity that we have on today uh, to be reminded of your goodness, reminded of your mercy and grace that you've extended to us. Uh, Lord, we are thankful for moments that we have uh, like this, where even though it may be bad outside weather-wise, we, uh, we get to sit with the scriptures. We get to sit with one another and to be able to glean what it is that you would have for us on this day. God, I pray now that you would convict all of us, that you would challenge all of us as we begin to look at this idea of radical hospitality, that we would leave this place and this opportunity that we've had to gather together virtually better than when we came. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fix our gaze on Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. And we are thankful for this opportunity to gather together. In your son's name we pray. Amen and amen. So one of the things that Kristen and I love to do is that we love to send these videos back and forth uh, to one another via like Instagram or so. Usually they're funny videos that are really just reenactments of how our kids 
operate at our house. Y'all know we got four crazy kids. It's just organized chaos. And so we usually find these videos that kind of reenact that. And so we usually just send these videos back and forth to one another. And it's usually a good time. Well, there was this one uh, video that she sent me a couple days ago that really intrigued me. Uh, it was about this guy who's a barber. Uh, and his whole thing is that he goes, he carries his barber equipment with him with a, on a book bag, in his book bag, and he carries a chair. And he walks to and fro the streets of Atlanta, and he selects random people on the street and asks them what they like a haircut. He would literally sit the chair down in the middle of a street or on the sidewalk, and, and he would begin to cut these people's hair. Now, what's interesting is that some people know notice who he is, but most people don't. This, this barber is a, is a famous barber who's cut all of these uh, uh, athletes and musicians and all type of famous people's hair. And so these people are getting this amazing haircut. But not only are they getting this amazing haircut, but the beautiful thing about these videos as you watch them is that he's literally spending time getting to know who they are. He's getting uh, information about their life and where they've been and how did they get to this point. He gives them an opportunity to be human. He, he's sharing. He's allowing them to be able to talk about, man, their life and their ups and their downs, their, their dreams and their goals, their, their hardships and what they've gone through. He's giving them an audience for them to share their story so that by the time that they leave, they not only have an amazing haircut, but they feel valued. They feel seen, feel loved. And as I watched countless of these videos, one of the things that I noticed is that it didn't matter what side of the tracks the people came from. All he did was offer an invitation for a haircut and then open up an opportunity to hear and to learn about them. Some people had their lives together and some people didn't have anything together. But the one thing that he did provide for them was space to be vulnerable, space to be human. And as I watched this video, I couldn't help but be reminded that as good of a story this is, and as amazing as it is to see these things, these videos taking place on Instagram, I began to think to myself, shouldn't this be the calling card for the church, for believers who've put their faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ? That it wouldn't just be captured with just this barber who's doing an amazing work, but that in the day-to-day -day life of believers, that there will be opportunities for us to pull out seats, to get to know people, from all walks of life. This idea of being hospitable is vastly important. You see, because when we practice hospitality, it opens the door for us to get to know people who may be different than us, but it also op opens up opportunities for us to begin to see God work in people through our tangible love that's demonstrated through our hospitality to those around us. Ah, I, I get it. This idea of hospitality, if we're honest, uh, this concept of hospitality in so many ways uh, has been relegated to just a, a small set of people, people who may have enough money to be hospitable to others, or we've kind of pawned off hospita hospitality to those who may be extroverted in nature, those who, who like people and like to be around people. We, we say that that's something that they do or, or because we don't have enough money, we, we, we can't be hospitable to others. Hospitality has become this thing that, that surround, that we know what it feels like when we experience it. But dare I say, I don't know if many of us, if we're honest, have been walking in it. You see, because if I'm honest, 
I believe that hospitality is unconditional. But in this day and age, we practice conditional relationships, meaning that things are given to us and we give to others based off of what we can get from a situation, meaning that we love if someone loves us. We are hospitable to those if they are hospitable to us. There's a there's a condition on what we do. And because of this, this idea of selfishness has entered into the, the into the equation where hospitality has been something of a, 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 of a, a lost commodity. When it should be the calling card of the church. Dare I say that those individuals, us believers in Christ, have allowed society and some of the norms that have become uh, normative in our society to creep into the church. And because of this, the church, the place where it should be a place of hospitality, where the door should be open to whoever who comes through the doors, have found itself in a peculiar situation where we're more focused on tribalism and people who are like us and wanting to make sure people know what we are against instead of opening the doors and welcoming those who may be a far way off. Hear me, brothers and sisters, this is the interesting dynamic that we face right now as a church, collectively, that people are disconnected, that people are broken, that people are looking for hope. People are looking to be seen and to be known. We live in the most connected time in society, but simultaneously the most disconnected time in society. And people are grasping at things so that they would be known, that they would be seen, that they would be loved. And one of the places that they used to look to the most would be the church. But sadly, we found ourselves focusing more on tribalism than the love of God and being hospitable to others. To be that city on the hill means that we must simultaneously be hospitable, brother and sister. And so brothers and sisters, I wanna invite us into a text where we see Jesus, the Messiah, the one that we say that we imitate, modeling what it looks like to be radically hospitable to a group of people that society deemed worthless to a group of people that society said is not capable of receiving the love of God. We see our Messiah, the one that we imitate, showing off this beautiful opportunity to express love to people through the hospitality that he demonstrates in him selecting Levi and having a meal with his friends. If I was to sum up this particular uh, passage of scripture in Mark chapter two, verses, um, in verses 13 through 17 and Matthew chapter nine, verse nine through 13, it would simply be this, that radical hospitality values every person's humanity while providing opportunities to express Christ-like love. I want to give it to you again. The church should be radically hospitable. Why? Because radical hospitality values every person's humanity while providing opportunities to express Christ-like love, to express Christ-like love. For the time that's left for ours, I wanna share with you two reasons why Reconciled Community Church has a core value of radical hospitality that's found in this particular text, in Mark chapter two, verse 13 through 17. The first thing that we see is that radical hospitality sees the value in everyone. It sees the value in everyone. This text opens and it really is about Jesus choosing Levi to be a part of his, what we would call the Talmudim or one of his disciples. But then it goes further and it says that Jesus chooses to have a meal with sinners 
and tax collectors. Don't miss this. These two things that we see that Jesus chooses to do with these two groups of people who would be questionable at best based off of their societal norms is something that is vastly important for you and I. You see, the two things that, that Jesus is offering to these people, to Levi being a part of his, to be a part of his Talmudin and to recline at the table with these, the, uh, with these tax collectors and sinners, they are both very intimate in nature. They're both valuing these people as humans, that they have value. To be a part of a Talmudin was an intimate thing. This was something when you, when you, when a rabbi would say, follow me, this wasn't just a class that they take, but it was a life style that was given. They would do everything with their rabbi. Whenever the Talmudin would see their rabbi move to the right, they move to the right. Where their, Tal where their rabbi went to sleep, that's where the Talmudin slept. Wherever that rabbi went, whatever that rabbi did, his Talmudin, those who followed after him, his disciples would do the very same thing. And believe me, hear me, brothers and sisters, rabbis didn't just choose anybody. Because of the relationship, the capital, the investment that they would put into those relationships would matter, which means that they would be valuable to the rabbi. Ah, and Jesus chooses a tax collector at a tax booth. See, many of us don't like taxes, uh, and I get it, because it feels at times, you know, the government is taking your money. I get it. I get it. We don't like tax collectors. But Levi's role as a tax collector was something more vile than what we see here today. You see, the tax collectors back in those days would have been people uh, of those particular groups. So, so uh, Matthew was Jewish. He was a Jewish tax collector, which meant that he worked for Rome. He worked for the oppressor. And his role and his job was to collect taxes for the empire. But not only that, but the way that he made money was that he would then add an exorbitant amount of money on top of the taxes that was offered so that he could get his own cut. So he was taking away money and funds from people that looked just like him. It was a vile practice to be a tax collector. These are people who would have been lower than what we would call scum in these uh, in these days. These people were just vile individuals. This is what people thought of tax collectors back in those days. They didn't want to be friends with them. They didn't want to do life with them. Nobody wanted to be associated with a tax collector. But yet and still, brothers and sisters, Jesus chooses Levi, which shows us that what Jesus sees in Levi is some level of humanity, that there's some value that is found in this individual. Fast forward, he not only just stops at Levi, but then he says, hey, go get your friends, all of your other tax collecting friends, all of them, bring them all. Matter of fact, and you know what? And while you on your way getting them, go get the other people that are sinners, that, that's just a junk drawer term for anybody who, who's doing anything violent, anything that is uh, against what God had called for the God's covenant people. Sinning is when God tells you to go right and you go left. He's saying, get the sinners too. And they having a party. <laughs> they're sitting around a table and they're having a meal together. This is not something that would have been common practice for these people to be in the presence of a rabbi. But yet and still, God sees value in these people enough that he welcomes them to a table. But why, brothers and sisters, why would Jesus 
do this because this would mean that it would be at an expense for him. His reputation is on the line. Wouldn't he care about what people thought about him because of who he's associating with, the people who he's welcoming to his table? Wouldn't he consider that and factor that in? Wouldn't that be something that would literally cause him to pause? These people are questionable. Why would you, Jesus, this Messiah who's saying all of these things, why are you uh, bringing them close to you? Why are you sitting at tables with them? And I believe Jesus shares with us in so many ways because they have value. Why do we get this? Why do we say this? Because if you were to moonwalk in your Bible to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, you see the creation narrative. You see when God decides to create humanity. And in Genesis chapter one, verse 26, it is this great theological uh, treatise that we know as the Imago Dei, the icon of God being made, not in the image, animals being made in the images or, or earth or ground or plants or trees or fish or birds. No, none of those are made in the image and likeness of God, but it was man who was made in the image and likeness of God, which means that all of us, not just those who put their faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ, but all of us are made in the image of God. Even though sin takes place in Genesis chapter 3, and there's a fractured relationship, and although our reflection is broken, we all still reflect the image of God. Hear me, brothers and sisters. I need you to focus in on what I'm about to say. Everyone has an opportunity and should have an opportunity to experience the love of God and the opportunity to hear and respond to the gospel message. You and I do not get to choose the parameters by which who is a recipient of God's love and who isn't. Who is, a, who is capable to be able to hear the message of the gospel and who isn't. We are called to be hospitable. Why? Because God through Christ was hospitable to us. Hear me, brothers and sisters, we all were like those uh, like like Matthew and like his friends. We were all on the outside looking in. But in comes Jesus who steps in and is radically hospitable to us in that he died in our place and for our sins. And in so many ways, he pulled up a table to the chair and says to the table and says, look, you are welcome here because of what I have done. And so because you were treated with hospitality from the Messiah who came down and died in your place, we too then get to be hospitable to others. Everyone has value, which begs the question, who have we written off? Who have we not been hospitable to? Who are those people that we kind of scratch our head and turn ourselves to the side and say, no, nah, no, nah, not them. Maybe God is saying in so many ways for you today, maybe you should consider being hospitable to them pulling open a chair and saying, I just want to get to know you. I want to know how God's wired you. I want to express the love of God to you. You see, because when we practice radical hospitality, brothers and sisters, we are literally valuing the Imago Dei in other people. And this is important for us to understand. Can you imagine what it would have been like for Levi and his friends to sit around the table with a, with a rabbi and him sharing about the kingdom of God and them hearing that there's an opportunity for them to be included in that kingdom work. Can you imagine what that would have felt like? 
Can you imagine the dignity that would have been restored in them that this Messiah would go out of his way to spend time with them? Can you imagine what that would look like? Can you imagine what that felt like for them? This was not commonplace for them. Pharisees would have turned their nose at them. People would have shamed them. But God, but Jesus welcomes them. And this is what's beautiful here. That when we value people's worth and we see people the way God sees them, it becomes easier for us to suspend judgment and to open our lives up for the Lord to use us to be a blessing to someone else. It's interesting because, you know, a lot of the illustrations I, sh I shared today is going to be what I found on social media because it's just interesting. Uh, you've probably saw this police officer named Officer Norman. He's a police officer in Little Rock, Arkansas. Many people have seen him. He's went viral on social media. He's another viral guy on social media. In a day and age where we're seeing that police officers are in the news for all the wrong things, if you follow Officer Norman, you know that he's one of the good ones. Why do you know that he's one of the good ones? See, Officer Norman is probably the quintessential picture of community policing. He loves his community. He polices the same community that he started a long time ago. Man, he takes his camera out and no matter where he's at in the community, he's literally with the people. They know who he is and he knows them. And every time you go on his uh, Instagram page, he has videos where he's been been just in community with the people that he serves. And every time that they talk about him or every time he talks about an individual in this community, you can tell that they deeply love Officer Norman and Officer Norman loves them. There have been moments where where he is on on film and, and they are talking about their needs and what they need and what they need to do. And he's on duty and he goes to the store and he provides for them. He listens to them. In one episode, he was following this young man. We got to watch him love on this young man so much so that, man, at some point, this young man gets a job and, and he's doing all of these things. And, and, and Officer Norman sees him coming back and he turns his camera on and, and, and hits record. And there's this beautiful exchange that happens between this young man and Officer Norman. And Officer Norman is telling him how proud he is of him and, and what he's able to do. And this young man looks at him and says, thank you for believing in me. All it took was for him to open up his life and to welcome this young man in. And he helped this young man find his voice. He helped this young man get back on track. And in the essence, because he was hospitable to this young man, this young man's life changed. Because he saw the value in the people that he served. And brothers and sisters, all I'm trying to get us to understand is that if we are calling ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, we too must model this beautiful, radical hospitality type nature where we open up our lives to those who may be on the fringes, those who may not look like you or vote like you or talk like you, may not have grown up on the other side of the tracks as you, but man, just opening up our opportunities to say, man, I see the value in you because you are a child of God. I'm not going to quit on you, but I am going to spend time with you to get to know you, to love you, and to allow God to use me in this process to show off God's love to you? How can we begin to see the value in others? Hear me, brothers and sisters. It starts with us being hospitable to those around us. So let me ask you the question. How's your vision been? Who, who have you written off? Who, who have you probably said, no, not them? Who, who, who have you pushed to the fringes? Or God may be inviting you to bring them near. 
in so many ways telling you to pull up a chair and say, get to know this one who is my creation just like you, who's valuable just like you. Never forget, brothers and sisters, that you and I were in that same position, that somebody was hospitable towards you. May we never operate with amnesia to forget how far we've come and the grace that God has lavished upon us that we were able to respond in faith to the gospel message. And it's that same opportunity that someone took on you that I am begging you to consider to take to someone else. We have to begin to practice radical hospitality because it shows us the value in other people. But then secondly, brothers and sisters, and I'm out of your hair. I only got two points because the text only lends to two points here. But it's important for us to see the implications of radical hospitality. We see the value that it demonstrates. But then secondly, it opens the door to display Christ-like love. Hear me. It opens the door to display Christ-like love. The text tells us that Jesus chooses Levi to be a part of his, of his Talmudine. And he reclines at this table with these sinners and he has a meal with them. I know you're thinking, but but pastor, you just said it. I know not only does it show us that he values their humanity, but listen, it shows us an opportunity of, of displaying Christ-like love. The fact that he pulled up a table and he reclined next to them, the fact that he welcomed Levi in is in real time a display of love for us to see and to model. I'm going to cut across the field because I want to make sure you get this. See, radical hospitality is not an ivory tower thing that you just talk about on social media. See, we 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 good about talking about things. We, we, we love to make sure that we are that we are that we are right theologically. We love to make sure we're in the right tribes and, and we focus all on these other things that are peripheral in nature. But hear me, brothers and sisters, in order for us to actually understand and to live out Christ like and radical hospitality, you got to do something with it. Or as uh, Pastor uh, Brian Loritz would say of his grandmother, you got to put shoe leather to it, meaning that this is a verb. If you're going to be hospitable, you got to actually go out and practice it. You can't talk about it. But as they would say, you got to be about it. This is a mark of Christian life that as we are understanding the, the, the ways in the operating system of the kingdom of God, that then it would manifest itself in how we live amongst one another. That's why we go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses uh, 16 through 20, when he says, you've been reconciled to God vertically, and then now you've become ambassadors horizontally, meaning that you got to live this thing out horizontally with the people that you can see. And one of the ways that we demonstrate love towards one another is through our hospitality towards one another. Why is this important? Because like I told you before, hospitality is not, it should not be conditional. We provide this to people. We lavish hospitality to those who are uh, far away, people who may be different than us, and we don't expect anything in return. It has always been the calling card of the church to be hospitable. How do I know this? Because it's been woven all throughout the scriptures. If you were to go back into your Bible and you were to look at a story that's very interesting, it was a story about Abram and he had just gotten circumcised. He's sitting under a tree and he's healing. And the text tells us that there's these three angels that are coming his way. They're on their way to Sodom and Gomorrah. But the text tells us something very interesting. Even though he's in the midst of 
recovery. He's healing. He's probably still sore, a little tender in certain spots, if you know what I'm talking about. But yet and still, he jumps up, as the text says, and it says he runs towards these angels and he begins to practice hospitality towards them. He drops everything that he's doing to make sure that these people felt uh, loved and cared for. So much so that he runs back to his wife and says, hey, just start baking bread. And she bakes all of this bread. They, they slaughter a lamb and, and they're preparing a meal, a calf for them. And, and they provide all of this meal and they're just very hospitable to these people. And it's over this meal that Abram begins to hear about what's about to happen in Sodom and Gomorrah. It's that whole idea where he says, hey, if it's 45 there, would you would you still smash them if it's 45? OK, so what if it's 30? What if it's 15? What if it's 10? What if it's one? person. And we see over this meal of hospitality that man, his, his cousin Lot got saved, was able to be rescued before everything came to pass. But it's set up on this, on this parameter that Abram was literally being hospitable to these angels. He didn't know who he was dealing with. He was just being hospitable. Hear me, brothers and sisters. The text is clear. Jesus talks about this multiple times in his teachings. He says, you better be careful about how you serve other people, because if you just are selective with who you're going to serve and why you're going to serve some people, because maybe they look like they're, they, they look like they should be served. They're servable. These people are unservable. They can't be saved. So I'm not going to waste my time on. Jesus says, be careful about that, because some of y'all indirectly were serving angels and didn't even know it. There was another passage, another parable where Jesus says, look, there were some people who got into heaven and, and they begin to ask, man, why are we here? And he says, oh, because y'all were serving me. Because when y'all were, were doing all of these different things, y'all were loving these people, you were literally being hospitable to people that you didn't even know. You were being hospitable with people who you didn't put any stock in. any. You just were doing it. You were just being hospitable. And indirectly, you served me. Meanwhile, there's a group of people on the outside looking in and they're saying, but we did all of these things. And he says, yeah, you did. But you didn't serve me. You chose the people that you wanted to serve, not the people that were right in front of you. We have to be careful about who we serve. If we're only going to have tunnel vision on how and who we're going to be hospitable to because they're a benefit to us. Hear me, brothers and sisters. We miss an opportunity to be used by God to love on people and allow the kingdom of God to be expanded. Hear me, God is welcoming us into the kingdom of God to be used as kingdom ambassadors. And one of the things that we do is that we're hospitable to whoever is put in our vicinity. And when we do this, we get to demonstrate the love of God on display because you don't know what people are going through. You don't know what people are needing. But what we're seeing is that in this society, people just want to be loved. They want to be seen. They want to be known. They want to be heard. And what would it look like for the church to provide that space and not only to provide the space to, to restore dignity to people through our hospitality, but what would it look like for us to be used by God, for God to be able to share with them the greatest gift that we could ever give to somebody, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ, and to love on them in tangible ways. Jesus does this with these people. Over a meal, he spins with them. He restores their dignity. He's hospitable to them. And hear me, brothers and sisters, we don't know everything that happens to this group of people. We don't know what happens to all of them. Did all of them get transformed? Did all of them get saved? Did all of them become a part of, of, of his kingdom work? Did they become a part of the kingdom agenda? We don't know about everyone. But we do know about one, 
Levi was a part of that number. And because Jesus demonstrated this radical hospitality towards him and loved him well, his life forever changed. Levi went from a tax collector to a disciple. Hear me, from a disciple to an apostle, from an apostle to a writer of one of the gospels that you are reading today, the gospel of Matthew, to being a pillar in the early church. Because Jesus demonstrated hospitality towards him. There's an opportunity for us to have front row seats, brothers and sisters, to the transformative work of the gospel when we open up our lives to those around us. I need us to get this. In a time right now where people are looking in all of these places to find hope, to find relationship, to find value, they're looking out right now and they're seeing a lot of brokenness. They go to government to see if they will be seen and known. And what we see is more brokenness and chaos. People are looking to social media and all of these other things, to relationships, and it is literally causing them to fall into more and more hopelessness. We keep reading all of these statistics of people who are taking their lives and people who are upset and people who are feeling disconnected and people who are feeling depressed, not only just because of a, of a COVID pandemic, but just because there's been a fracturing of what we thought were the institutions that would provide wholeness to us. And then for some of us and for many people, they're looking up and saying, but what about the church? And instead of us focusing in on what God has called us to focus in on, we're focusing on the wrong things. We're focusing on trying to get power. We're trying to, we're trying to sit and trying to get laws fixed to do all of these things. We're, we're focusing on all of these peripheral things, our tribes and who's not a part of our tribes and who's thinking this and what's this. And, and, and this person is not worshiping this way. And this person doesn't have this. This person's not preaching this way. And this person is over here wearing this. And these people are doing this in church. And this pastor got these shoes on in church. And we're focused on everything else on the peripheral. We're spending more time fighting each other and it's showing off the fractures and people are literally leaving the church and leaving the faith because they're not being seen, loved, and valued. We're focusing on the wrong things. When the church focused in on the love of God and the work of the kingdom, amazing things took place. Hospitals were started. Schools were started. Countless other things were beginning to take place. Empires fail because the church focused in on what was important, extending the love of God in tangible ways and promoting the kingdom of God through sharing of the gospel message. When those two things came together, there was this beautiful wildfire that took place where people on the fringes were brought near and there were people who were coming to know who Jesus was, their faith was being restored, their relationships were being restored, and there was this beautiful blossoming that was taking place. Even, hear me, hear me brothers and sisters, even under intense persecution, when the church focuses on being radically hospitable, 
demonstrating God's Christ-like love to us and to others. And while we're focusing on sharing that love in tangible ways and opening our lives up to all types of people, God uses that in miraculous and awesome ways. There will be an opportunity for wellsprings of hope and satisfaction to be restored in people because their eyes will be fixed on Jesus, who is the one who can provide all that they need. And he uses us as his vice regents here on earth to be able to institute these things. You and I are called to something way bigger than just fighting with people, other believers on Twitter. We're called to love our neighbor as ourself. It was Rosaria Butterfield who wrote this wonderful work called The Gospel Comes with the House Key. If you don't know anything about Rosaria Butterfield, I would encourage you to look, read that book. She was an enemy of the church. She would even say it herself. She did not like anything to do with Christianity. In fact, she made it her life's mission uh, before she got saved uh, to literally derail and destroy the work that God was doing. But you know what ended up being a catalyst for her to uh, make a decision to change her whole life? It was a pastor and his wife who invited her and her girlfriend at the time to a meal. And that meal became multiple meals. And over that, those meals, this couple literally just allowed Rosaria to air out all of her grievances. It was over a meal that this person began to build, these, this pastor and his wife began to build a relationship with her. To just be present. And over these meals, the Lord began to do something. Began to soften her heart. What she was mad about and what she was experiencing was messing with her. And she says the train wreck of the gospel happened and her whole life was now simultaneously changed. Why? Because there was a couple that saw the value in Rosaria Butterfield and didn't just relegate it to just arguing with her, but they opened up their doors to be with her. And it changed her life. Brothers and sisters, hear me. Hear me, brothers and sisters, as we close today, that we have to recapture the essence of being hospitable. It's not complicated. It's literally saying, you know, I know you're hurting. I know you have questions. I know this doesn't make sense. I just want to be present with you. I want to develop a relationship with you. I want to hear what it is that God has on the inside of you, what you are, how you are and how you're wired and how did you get to this place? And, and how can the love of God push through some of the brokenness that you face? You see, because brothers and sisters, hospitality translates to love because in those moments when we are giving our time to others, it's sharing with them that they matter. When we extend our ear to them, it's sharing with them that we hear them. When we are giving of our presence, when we are there in the company of our brothers and sisters, it's sharing with them that we see them. And when we get to love on them and to share the gospel with them and to remind them that they are valuable, God is using us to tell them that he loves them. This is why Reconcile moves differently than, well, that's why we move different. That's why we do things that may not seem regular. 
because we want to be a church that opens its doors to whoever may come. If you are broken, you're welcome here. If you have questions and doubts about the faith, you are welcome here. If you are struggling with whatever, you are welcome here. Why? Because there was a table that was created for us in the beginning. And while we sat at that table, at some point we decided to push ourselves away from that table and say, we don't want to be here with you, God. We want to go and do something else. And yet and still, God didn't leave us in our mess. He sends Jesus to come down and to die in our place and for our sins. And it's in so many words that Jesus literally pulls the chair back out and says, but we, I want you back. Come sit back down and commune with me. And because we got that opportunity to come back and sit and commune with a Trinitarian God who loves us so much, we then get to do that with others. Not just corporately as a church, but individually as followers of Jesus Christ. And so my hope and my prayer is that if you don't have a church home, that you would join us at Reconcile. And even if you do have a church home, my encouragement for you is to begin to take a step of being hospitable to those around you because you could very well be the very person that God would use to draw them closer to himself. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to be reminded of the importance of being hospitable to those around us. Lord, we have no idea what people are going through, but Lord, we do know this that people want to be loved, they want to be seen, they want to be valued. And when those things take place, their ears open up and their hearts open up to what it is that we would want to share with them. And so Lord, I pray that those who have put their faith, hope and trust in Jesus Christ, that we would be challenged and convicted and pushed to be hospitable to those around us. Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see our brothers and sisters around us differently than how we've seen before that we wouldn't be so focused on all of these other things, but that we would be concerned about those who are made in your image. All of us have a soul that's destined to be with you or to be eternally separated uh, from you. And so Lord, I pray that that would be the impetus for us to build deep relationships with others, that we would be those who would come together collectively and be the city on the hill, a city of refuge that people would look up and say, I don't know much, but I know that that place is a safe place for me. Lord, I pray that the church would recapture its focus on what it is that we're called to do, and that's to share the love of God in word and in deed. And we do that practically through being hospitable to others. And so, Lord, be with us, I pray. In your son's name, amen and amen.